If you're a technology job seeker in today's post-pandemic reality, are you prepared for what may be your first ever virtual job interview? Today's show will cover everything you need to know. Hello there, I'm Mary Fran Johnson and welcome to Tech Career Ladder. our fourth episode of Tech Career Ladder, the podcast that focuses on practical ideas, advice, and guidance for technology professionals at all levels in the IT organization. Our show is brought to you by Insider Pro, IDG's new premium content site, which features in-depth technology journalism, hands-on guides, career advice, and more. I'm here today talking about one of the biggest changes we're seeing in the world of technology jobs today the new normal of interviewing for a job via video conference. You'll be hearing and benefiting from some expert coaching and advice about how to ace that virtual job interview and keep you moving up another rung on your own tech career ladder. Now let me introduce my guest, Kristen Lamoureux, president of Lamoureux Search in the Philadelphia area. With 20-plus years of experience in IT executive search, Kristen has a vast network of friends and colleagues throughout the technology industry. She is someone well-versed in the challenges of a rapidly changing technology market and the shifting dynamics of the incredibly difficult economy we're all dealing with today. Beyond her work in executive search, Kristen is a champion of diversity and the founder and leader of Sim Women, a networking organization that's part of the Society for Information Management. With 1,100-plus members throughout the U.S. and Canada, Sim Women focuses on promoting mentorship and career development for women throughout the IT organization. Kristen is also an accomplished conference organizer and a popular speaker at tech events across the country and someone frequently quoted in IT career articles in the business and tech press. I had the pleasure of publishing Kristen's hiring manager column while I was editor-in-chief of CIO Magazine. Kristen, welcome. It's great having you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Mary Fran. When we were preparing for today's discussion, one of the things we talked about was the importance of a leadership quality that you referred to as the human quotient. Let's start out with that. What What are you describing when you say the human quotient? Well, in the beginning of 2020, many of my clients were asking me to find them individuals who displayed leadership at every level. Whether you were a Linux engineer or a CIO, they wanted candidates who had demonstrated leadership skills. With COVID-19 hitting us and now Mm. the horrific racial tragedy and subsequent Mm. unrest, being a leader means being human. Mm -hmm. Allowing time at the beginning of meetings or setting meetings strictly for connection with your teammates. Mm -hmm. How are you? How are you feeling? These are no longer simple questions, but the asking of them is critical to an employee's mental health and engagement, particularly in a work-from-home situation where they may be reflecting a brave face just to get through a meeting, but they're really struggling. You know, Clients are now demanding candidates at all levels demonstrate humanity and empathy. While it's slightly different for executives, those making their way up through the ranks 
they still have an opportunity to demonstrate their executive presence by sharing the rapport and relationships that they've successfully built in their current role. You know, it's really easy for us to define ourselves by the work we've done. I'm a security engineer. I'm a project manager. Mm -hmm. But in an interview, we're so focused on what we've done that we often miss highlighting the people that we worked with side by side. The human quotient also seems to me like uh, an ability to relax and show your real self a little bit more. I was just talking with a CIO yesterday who was describing how he had gotten a particular role, and it was the part of the interview where he let his guard down and talked about problems he had had in the past with alcoholism and what he did to deal with it now. And it was the humility and that ability to connect with other people that made such a huge difference to him. And that's just it. It's the authenticity. So with working from home, we have become a lot more tolerant of life. Pets jumping into frames, kids, you know, spouses working from home as well, whatever. But you need to reflect your most professional self in an interview. But we're still human. We're all still real. We're all still struggling in our own ways. And it, everybody talks about the new normal. I talk about the new now uh, uh-huh. because it isn't normal. Uh, so yeah. being able to acknowledge working with others, being able to acknowledge how you coach and mentor junior team members, being able mm-hmm. to understand that it takes a team to accomplish goals and that those teams are made up of humans, And we're all living very challenging lives right now in these unprecedented times. So acknowledge it. Own it. I think there's something about unprecedented times that also give us broader, uh, not just, and I'm thinking of male leaders, but men, male leaders and female leaders, a chance to show more of their humanity as that that compassion and that reaching out. Well, you mentioned the... um, you know, the way people have to do so much on video now and the new normal. I've heard it also called the new abnormal. And one of the kind of one of the kind of abnormal things going on in our environment, and I'm sure you've been hearing and talking with this uh, with your clients and candidates and customers, that virtual job interviews are now part of this this new now, this new abnormal. Um, are you finding that the case with your clients? Are you ending up talking with them a lot more about um, skills to use on virtual job interviews? Definitely. Mm-hmm. A few clients. They froze interviewing back in early March. March. They weren't prepared. And they've now, for the most part, found their groove and how to transition into hiring people with only virtual interviews. But it it takes a lot of coordination. And so it is something where we've had to do a lot of coaching and counseling uh, surrounding this step in the process. Mm-hmm. Is that coordination, all the timing and getting all the different pieces of the video conference session working well, is that the biggest challenge that customer or that clients are encountering or candidates, or is it something else? Uh, I do think coordination of interviews in regular times can be challenging, <laughs> but you know, right now I think it is more building the interview team 
and being deliberate about what each interviewer's responsibilities are going to be. You know, there's a great deal of the coordination, but when you add in the extra layer of everyone being remote, balancing kids and who's got a nap time and who doesn't and the dog needs to go out, that you need to coordinate like a juggler at a circus in order to find time windows where it works for everybody inside the organization and works for the candidate so that we can put that best professional foot forward, but really being deliberate in, okay, Mary Fran, you're going to probe on this. Okay, Trevor, your job is to question that. Mm -hmm. And so that it's spread across. It's not all, we're all just sitting there listening or we're all having one-on-one interviews and discussing the same ground over and over again. Right. Well, I know I've found in doing, you know, Q&As and virtual panel interviews that my, you know, the, the, the people that I have, the CIOs or the executives I have on these virtual calls, I tend to give them much more background and maybe a script and some idea. I'm a little more formal about the questions that I'm going to pitch their way because it, I feel like it increases their comfort factor to a much bigger degree. So you're seeing that same thing. Definitely. It is something where I used to, I freely admit, poke a little fun at some of my clients where they had their list of prepared questions. Question number one, (laughs) because it's not conversational. You're not going to make somebody feel at ease with question number one, but the (laughs) intent behind it to make sure that you're having a comprehensive discussion, to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're hitting all the points that you need to, yes, being prepared on the client side is as critical as being prepared on the candidate side. That's a wonderful point. Um, and while, while we're thinking about the candidate side, what do you see as the big upsides here for job candidates that are out in the tech market? I know we're going to get into some of our best tips and tactics for succeeding in a virtual interview, but when you think about this new world of working from home situations and virtual interviewing capabilities, where are the greater opportunities for the candidates? Well, to start, no one has to get on a plane. And we don't have to wait for a Friday when somebody's flying back to be able to schedule an in-person interview. So from an urgency standpoint, there is an opportunity for things to go a bit faster. But the biggest opportunity we have right now is to be able to increase the talent levels and the diversity of our organizations Mm because it's no longer about finding the closest talent that can commute to your office building or finding that dream job within 45 minutes of your home. The job can move to where the talent lives. We've all proven that, that organizations who truly were thinking, oh, we're 90% five days a week in the office, they're expecting to have as much as 40% of their teams working remotely on a go forward. So let's capitalize on that. Yes, I've been I've been hearing very similar um accountings of what's going to happen in the talent challenge market because all CIOs are challenged to find the talent they want and when they are essentially you know, when they are hemmed in by a very traditional corporate structure, 
where, well, we all come into the office from 8 to 4.30, that, you know, especially with really hot tech talent uh, and the kind of skills that everybody wants to hire, it it's, uh, kind of limits their availability uh, to get the people they need. I, I've had more than one CIO say to me that, oh, my God, a whole world of talent is opening up to us now. It truly is. And again, it had been doable if the corporate environments were vibrant, fast-paced environments and a talented technology professional could know, I'm going to go mix and mingle with other brethren. And there was that community. But it is a lot more freeing to not have to move my family across the country to have that same benefit, to be able to put on my headset just like I do if I'm playing video games or, you know, Zooming with family, that mm -hmm. it's, hey, I want to talk to you about this project and initiative, and I'm dialing into the company webinar that's focused on this development initiative for all of our tech professionals, and, and I can live my life the way I need to whether it is due to family concerns, caring for an elder parent, whether it's you know just financially I don't have the money to move across the country, or whether it is truly this is my home and this is where I want to be, now you can have that uber-sexy tech position and yeah. still have your priorities and values aligned. That's great. And I know the, the pundits have been predicting this sort of outcome as we get further into the post-pandemic period, uh, it, I find it very reassuring to hear what you're actually seeing out in the market, that it is coming true already. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. Now, one of the most challenging things I've found about video conversations, whether you're on Zoom or Facebook or WebEx or name any one of probably a dozen great video conferencing apps out there now, it's, it's this odd feeling of seeing someone's face but so they're there and our brain is telling us that, oh, there's a face in front of you, but we can't really look them in the eye. That's difficult to do on a video communication setup. But And that brings up the question for me when I think about job candidates, isn't that whole ability to lock eyes and that connection, isn't that critical when you're trying to build rapport and, <laughs> you know, essentially talk with someone in a very sincere manner? It absolutely is. And that dot of your camera, it's your friend. You, you have to acknowledge it's your friend. And, and of course, technology people are going to know where to find the green dot. So the green dot or the red dot or whatever your web camera is, that is your friend. And so let's talk about how you use that to make more meaningful eye contact. So, and that's essentially the first of our expert tips here. Um, talk about that a little bit, about the best way to use the green dot and make it your more of your friend. <laughs> It's hard to resist the temptation to look at the pictures of the people that you're speaking yes. with because I'm, yes. I want to look in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And it's equally hard not to feel like you're stuck in an hour-long staring match with this dot on your laptop or the webcam off hanging off your monitor. It does but make you feel a little cross-eyed after a while. It does. It does. But when you are looking at the camera – your audience isn't resisting temptation. They're watching your face on their screen. And therefore, yep. it'll appear 
like you're looking right at them, which truly will help build rapport. And you can play with the positioning of whatever collaboration tool you're using so that the window showing those faces truly sits centered underneath your camera lens. Mm-hmm. You know, the best suggestion is test it out. Open a meeting, hit record, move the participant window around on your screen and watch because you're not going to be able to have that hour-long staring contest. It is just human nature to, you're going to drop your eyes at some point. So see how you look and Mm -hmm. find that spot, practice, where even if you drop your eyes for a moment, no, we're right back up and I'm dead center on that webcam again. Now I'm back on track. But you record it and you see how you look. And Mm -hmm. from there, make the choices. One pro tip I got many years ago, and I'm putting it more into effect now from a TV broadcasting professional, was if if it was really difficult to look into the little red dot on the camera, to put a tiny little photo of a loved one basically right up by the dot so that you could be looking into the face of, of someone, uh, which I thought was a pretty good idea. Um, so that is, there's a reason that's our first tip, because that, that ability to have people feel that you're looking right in their eyes is so powerful over video. Let's move on to tip number two about creating a professional space around you. What is your advice there? Physically, you want to be eye-to-eye with your webcam. So if you're on a laptop, mm-hmm. find some books or notepads and raise that bad boy up. Mm-hmm. Don't <laughs> angle it. Raise the whole laptop. You really will also want to have a light source behind and above your laptop. Mm-hmm. I literally use a desk lamp that is interrogation-worthy light in my face, um, so it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable for me. Don't look at the light. You're looking at your webcam. You know, right. But it, otherwise, I would be shrouded in darkness. You know? But if you don't have a lamp, can you angle so that you have a window behind your laptop so sunlight is angling on your face? You do have a say in your interview times. So when is the light in the room that's going to be quiet and have as few distractions as possible when is the best lighting for that room? Pick Great that point. time if you can, as far as an opportunity to say, oh, this time. Uh, but if you have to go into a bedroom or a bathroom, mm-hmm. please remove anything that doesn't belong in your interview <laughs> from the room. Thinking. Uh, this is reminding me of an incredibly hilarious story you told me about oh. that. Will you share that with our audience? <laughs> <laughs> My best friend interviews hundreds of people a year, and their company uses video interview questions as a part of their application process on their company mm-hmm. website. Mm-hmm. So they get it that unlike a scheduled video interview, an applicant may be thinking, oh, I'm just applying for a job, and up pops a window saying, oh, would you like to video record your answers? And it's like, oh, so they might be a bit unprepared, but the absolute best and worst example was a gentleman applying for a leadership position, and he Mm -hmm. did the interview wearing a suit but sitting on his bed. 
Mm. He just neglected to remove the handcuffs hanging from the back bedpost. <laughs> and my friend said, Kristen, I, I can't unsee that. You know, anybody so, else telling me that story, I'm not sure I would believe it because it sounds apocryphal. <laughs> but you know this person really well, and you trust oh, them. That yes. really happened. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. That was one for the record books. So truly, if it doesn't belong in your interview, get rid of it. Yeah. If you're going to, you know, the other piece, though, same kind of setup. If you're going to try to cover up the fact that you're in a bathroom or a bedroom mm-hmm. or I just had a candidate interview from a closet the other day, <laughs> do your best to get a plain wall versus yeah. hanging or draping a blanket as a backdrop. I was coaching an inner city youth the other day on virtual interviews, and this one young man had hung what looked like a plaid wool blanket, and midway through his mock interview, it came crashing down. He just (laughs) about died of embarrassment, and I immediately jumped into, this is why we practice. This is why we test things out. Okay, so that isn't going to work, you know, but... (laughs) You know, as many living in a, a city experience, there's not an extra 60 square feet lying around of, you know, with blank walls and proper lighting. So truly, just do your best and simply keep things appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if an interviewer is really going to judge your home instead of you, that might company, that company might not mm-hmm. be the right opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, that's a point, too. I picked up a great tip on this from my sister, who is a a high-ranking IT or HR professional at an insurance company, and she had a piano and a violin behind her in their first video calls, and she was trying to keep things professional, but people kept saying, oh, why don't you play us a little something on the piano? (laughs) And And she really didn't want to do that, and so what she did, she got one of those you know, lightweight, portable room dividers and just put it behind mm. her. And I was mm-hmm. inspired to get one of my own. And if you, if you watch my next Leadership Live uh, interview, the video, it's going to have me trying out my new room divider behind me because I have bookshelves and things behind me, but I thought that this would be kind of more neutral. So that's a, g- a good idea. Now, speaking of the space that you created to look professional, is this also an opportunity to brand yourself a little bit? Yes, and I'm actually super deliberate about it. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing more and more how companies don't like candidates to leverage virtual backgrounds. They want to snoop into your home and read what's on your bookshelf. (laughs) So (laughs) leverage it, right? Mm -hmm. If you have shelves or a bookcase, work them into your backdrop and fill them with items that reflect who you are, like your, you know, example of the violin. But also, like any interview, you still have to do your research on the company and its culture and the people you're meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be able to walk into somebody's office and see that they have a map of North Carolina on their wall, you know. So right. think through the facts that you've learned about the company and culture and then be deliberate. Yeah. I was meeting well, with a gentleman who was former Navy Mm-hmm. And I made sure to snag a handcrafted wooden sailboat that I'd picked up on vacation and put mm-hmm. it on the shelf behind me. You know, <laughs> at best, it would be mentioned and spark conversation, which it did. Yeah. Or, you know, at mm-hmm. the worst, 
it would simply subconsciously be noted as something we have in common. Well, and all of this circles back to our first comment about the human quotient. Mm -hmm. Since we're essentially bringing people into our homes for these video interviews, it really makes sense to to curate a little bit. How much do you want to show? Um, Mm -hmm. So that was tip number three on creating a little professional branding in your space. Tip number four on dressing professionally and making sure you're well positioned. So this one is really hard for me personally because the first time I saw myself on video, I died. It's so hard to watch yourself on video, but I kept flipping my hair. I was like, oh, my God, was I surrounded by gnats? What was I doing? Uh, And now it is absolutely even more critical. So remember, we talked about you really want to do that practice recording. It's really true. How you sit can make you appear either four feet tall or seven feet tall. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to identify exactly what chair you'll be sitting in, or are you on the floor, or are you, are you? Figure it out, because if your chair squeaks, or if you roll to lean and make a point, you know, what happens, you know, to how much do they see of you, of your background? You know, you need to rest comfortably, when you know, sit comfortably, because truly, you have to understand, you are not going to be able to hold your best I'm interviewing position for the whole discussion. <laughs> you know, so you really want to look at where your head sits in the window. Yep. And if there's too much background visible above your head, you appear shorter. But worse than that, that camera angle is actually used in movies to denote someone as weak or powerless. And if you're sitting too high in the frame, you can be seen as evil and looming over your audience. That's why, again, you don't want to angle your laptop. You don't want to be that loomer. So raise the whole thing up. Watch how much you want to have really about a palm's worth of space. If you put your palm on top of your head facing Uh forward, your pinky should be touching the top of that window. That's enough. Um, Obviously, we also talked about dressing professionally, what you wear Mm -hmm. on any interview matters. But please, Mm -hmm. for the love of all things sacred, do not wear a John Krasinski tutu. Okay? Dress fully (laughs) for your interview because a simple tech issue may suddenly prompt the need for you to reach for something or stand up and need to move. And voila, yoga pants. Not acceptable. (laughs) All right. Good point. Good point. And I love that point, too, about being cognizant of your personal space and how I found when I was in my first, when I was first starting my video show and I would watch myself, I thought, I look so twitchy. I'm moving around too much. I've got to stop waving my hands so much. And facial expressions. You know, I have a tendency to like emote a lot with my mm-hmm. face. And so I'm much more conscious of it. Of course, we're on, we're just recording right now. So we can be as goofy looking as we want. But when you're on, <laughs> when you're on video, you don't want to be waving your hands around in the air like you're directing traffic. Um, no, and, and okay. truly, even leaning in. So I have a a really great client who says, Kristen, I want 
candidates on the edge of their seat, not because they're mm-hmm. nervous, but because they're so excited about what we're doing. But when you lean in on your webcam, you your head and nose become really big. So, yes, you have to practice and understand how far you can move, how much space. The other thing is different tools have different width on the frame. So if you've got that load of laundry three feet off on your right – and the client, you know, the company is saying, oh, we're going to use our tool, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You better shove that laundry another two feet just to be safe. <laughs> clear, clear the decks. Clear the decks. Indeed. Um, all right. I love all these tips. These are so helpful. And I, every time I think I know what I'm doing on a video conference, I learn m- more great tips this way. Our tip number five, I think it's especially valuable because of all the the multiple Zoom calls people are doing in the group meetings that they're in. How do you handle dealing with multiple interviewers on a call? So more and more panel interviews are being done, uh, not only from a time-saving perspective, but from a creating community perspective, you know, letting the interviewee meet a cross-section of a team to get a better sense of the culture since you can't walk into their corporate offices right now. Mm-hmm. And what's with all of them being done, the etiquette for virtual versus in-person, it is harder to navigate. Yeah. Um, you also, you don't know if this group has interviewed together previously or how coordinated they're going to be. You know, in person, <clears throat> when you're asked a question, a member of a panel, you should normally start your answer with the person who asked you the question, but then you do kind of a tennis match sweep where you're looking and including everybody else on the panel. And then as you're concluding your answer, right, Mm -hmm. when you conclude your answer, you finish on the person who asked the question. But in a virtual environment, you're staring at that dot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That green dot that was your friend at the beginning is starting to feel like your enemy. (laughs) It's not. It's still a friend. But you want to make sure that you have everybody on a gallery view. Mm-hmm. Do not go with a setting where the person talking is the one whose face is up on the screen. Okay. Because if this mm-hmm. team hasn't interviewed together, or sometimes it is even the company protocol, if somebody wants to ask you a follow-up question or probe on something that you've said, they may raise their finger or their hand and you won't see it. That is and then you're point. ignoring them. And that's not good to do. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, that seems so counterintuitive to me. I would have guessed if this was a multiple choice question, I would have picked the answer that said, oh, switch over to speaker view. So you'll be speaking directly to that person. But what a great no. what a great point. Yeah, the peripheral vision is actually one of the the candidates' best assets when they are doing a panel interview. Because yes, you're expecting that the person who asked you the question is paying attention, but if you have everybody lined up again right underneath your little mm-hmm. friendly dot, then yeah. you can see, oh, I'm losing people's interests. Oh, these three other people are now picking up their phones. Oh, I might be talking too long. Let me wrap this up. So peripheral vision, it only works, obviously, if you can see everybody. 
Yes, well, very good point. Well, these have been wonderful tips. I love these these five tips about managing a virtual interview like a real professional. But as we close out on some of these important details, we've talked a lot about what is different in a video conference interview call. Let's wrap up with some advice from you since this is your business and you're an expert in this. What doesn't change in this new normal or the new abnormal, whatever we're calling it? What are some of the the basics that you think people still need to keep a hold of? It is still a matter of being authentic. And we all want to put our best foot forward. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a big supporter of that. <laughs> but yeah. yes, with that stronger focus on the human quotient, you know, with a, a greater tolerance and empathy, you're allowed to have, you know, if a child interrupts your interview, it's not the end of the world. You know, um, you still cannot be late to an interview. That is still the kiss of death. Don't be late. Test all of your technology the day before your interview, the day of your interview, and maybe even an hour before your interview to make mm-hmm. sure everything is working, just like you would prepare to know where you're going if you were driving somewhere, to, to get, allow time for right. traffic, allow time for issues. But really, you still need to prepare in terms of your going to be hit with behavioral questions. Tell me about a time when. Tell me about, you know, conflict. How do you handle challenges? Give me an example where you went above and beyond. So why not take the time in the comfort of your home when you're not in a tense interview and jot down your answers? Practice them while brushing your teeth. It's okay. Get them smooth so that when you're hit with that, it's, oh, my favorite example of when I was challenged surrounded this incredible growth opportunity and it just flows. Um, Another key thing is everybody is looking forward. So you want to market your potential, not your past. I love that. So thinking through, I delivered this great ERP project. Great. What if the company you're interviewing with isn't about to do one? Right. Yeah. So they don't care about your technical. Right. They want to know, how did you deliver that grade? What kind of leadership did you show? (laughs) Exactly. If you can demonstrate that you're that innovative, creative, collaborative, either team member or team leader, Mm -hmm. then that person is universally attracted to any industry, any size organization. It goes Mm -hmm. right back to that leadership at all levels. What makes you different from every other Linux engineer or project manager out there. It's you. So it's okay to have discussions about how you do things, how you communicate, and the enthusiasm and passion that you have for technology and that Mm -hmm. you're a lifelong learner because none of us are ever done. (laughs) So true, so true. Kristen, this has been so great. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and all your wonderful tips and advice with us today. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you after this podcast, and my God, why wouldn't they, right? What is the best way to connect with you? They are welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And because I gave up Williams when I married my husband and went to Lamoureux, if you don't mind, I'll say... 
My name is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, and the last name is spelled L-A-M as in Mary, O-R-E-A-U-X. And truly, people can reach out to me on LinkedIn or via my website, which is lamorosearch.com. Excellent. Well, if you haven't connected yet with Kristen on LinkedIn, and I'm sure you'll do that right after this podcast, you will find her smiling face there. And it's backed by one of her favorite quotes from Mahatma Gandhi, be the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing all of your advice and your knowledge with us today. It's been delightful having you as a guest. Uh, Thank you so much, Mary Fran. This was great. And I hope that some of the advice Kristen shared with us today will help you with whatever changes lie ahead in your own career. You've been listening to Tech Career Ladder, brought to you by Insider Pro, IDG's new premium content site, featuring in-depth tech journalism, hands-on guides, career advice, and more. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, and I thank you for joining us and listening today. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.